Welcome to the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. Please join us as we talk about the rare disease journey. We'll discuss the who, the what, and the why of rare diseases and the special needs community. We'll also reflect on the highs and lows of some of these awful conditions and how they affect us on a daily basis. We welcome you to the Rare Hour and just know you're not alone. Many of us out there are struggling just like you. So sit back and listen, cry, and laugh. Today on the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. Hey everybody, it's Chris Valona coming to you live. Well, pre-recorded, of course. Uh, the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona, and uh, where we talk about uh, rare disease and special needs, all things, and how they relate to families and uh, care professionals, teachers, doctors, lawyers, caregivers, and people like that. Today, we have a, a different type of a guest. Um, we have a person who has been diagnosed in his adulthood years, not at children like we normally talk to. And today's guest is uh, different for me because I've never spoken to another rare adult patient. I've always spoken to the parents or I've talked to doctors or caregivers in this space about, you know, how it came to be. So um, I met uh, this man on another platform in another support group, and I'm really happy to introduce Dan Drydock Shockley, uh, who is claiming to be the ambassador to the colon prevention program out of Northern California today. And the topic today is uh, not only the background about this great guy, but why early detection is so important. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Chris. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be a guest on your show. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you found the time to find us. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, as previously stated, we were chatting it up on another support group. Uh, and, uh, and I believe our, our friend out in the UK, we were on that uh, male mental uh, support group hour out of the UK. And uh, it's crazy. And you find, you know, people in those spaces, Dan, about how these things kind of just have these, uh, these tentacles, they just intertwine, and you just don't understand how, you know, rare, rare diseases, but really how close knit it can be. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, the map on my back on my, behind me, there is a vintage world map. And, you know, it, for 22 years, I've been an ambassador for the world's greatest Navy. And now for the rest of my life, for the last 10 years, I've been an ambassador for the colon cancer community globally. You know, we got to meet with uh, David Ross out of Portsmouth, UK on uh, the men's rare uh, mental health group. Love and him. Yeah. And there's numerous other platforms uh, that I've been collaborating with. Uh, several in Australia lately, a uh, few more in uh, India. Uh, Wales, Northern Ireland, uh, Scotland, of course, uh, England, and Canada, and uh, quite a quite a few here in the uh, wow. in the in the continental U.S. Awesome. But, uh, still got That's a great. lot of territory to go, but you know everything's intertwined. You know we're all we're all in this journey. You know um, of life, whether it be a rare disease, uh, mental health awareness, uh, whether we're it's a child or whether it's uh, an adult. I mean, we're all here to help each other out. And, you know, I do what I can. I send out positive vibes and oh, wow. I get it back tenfold and here we are. Yeah, 
Positive vibes, baby. That's a that's a placard on my desk there. Positive vibes only. Do not there come into go. this space unless you have positive yeah. vibes. That's it, exactly. Got enough shit to deal with. I don't need to have any of your drama. So, yeah. Dan, let's talk a bit a little about your your history in this life. Uh, you, you say you're a veteran, and you've served our country for numerous years. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background about you know who, why, what, and where you are at? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I was honored to serve on active duty for 22 years in the Navy. Uh, I served on seven different ships during my career, uh, three of which were deployed to the Persian Gulf in 92, 95, and uh, 2001. I ended my career on the ground in Bahrain, which is a little island off the coast of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I was there in direct support of Operation Endurance and Iraqi Freedom. I was, I, assigned, I was assigned there from the uh, 23rd of September of 2001 till September 4th of 2003. And I, I retired and uh, I resided in Hawaii after um, I retired from the Navy. And, and uh, from a couple years after I retired, I went for my colonoscopy, regular schedule. And I uh, was asymptomatic. And they found 100 polyps embedded throughout my colon, rectum, and anus, and recommended that I undergo uh, genetic testing. So I had my certified genetic counselor conducted that. And several weeks later, the results came back confirming I had a, a, a hereditary colon cancer syndrome. Then I would require uh, major surgery to remove my colon, rectum, and anus, and have a permanent ostomy. So not only is the hereditary colon cancer syndrome. Um, I, I also, like I said, I have an ostomy and that syndrome, attenuated FAP, is listed as a rare disease. So right away, right from the, I've embraced the, the diagnosis from the onset and I wanted to learn as much as I could. So I've been an advocate for rare, rare disease, hereditary colon cancer and ostomy awareness ever since. And now wow. mental health. Wow. So you lived this full life. What time was that? How old were you at that uh, that appointment for the cluster? I I was fifty. I just turned fifty. When I'm sorry, I just turned fifty-one when I scheduled it uh, because of the way that my my physicals go with the um, yeah my healthcare. So I turned fifty-one. I scheduled it and. Um, went in, like I said, to have uh, the, the colonoscopy. So, mm. so well, you, I did you, have a, a... No no, no problems, no intestinal, no pain, no nothing. A hundred polyps, nothing. You're just right, normal. Yeah, yeah as normal as normal can be. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, when I went in, I went in at, I think, uh, what am I going to be, 53 this year. I had my first colonoscopy at 50. Well, he had like two or three little polyps and they said, ah, you're fine. Go home. I mean, yeah. to, to get that type of a, of a, a finding, it must've just like really baffled you. Yeah. Well, I was intrigued, you know, I mean, I've, I've experienced so much with my military career traveling to 22 different countries and had, I had quite a few diagnosis of different things while I was in on active duty. But so when this, and when the results, results came back, you know, I, I embraced it. Honestly, I embraced it. I was 
I was really intrigued and I wanted to learn as much as I could. And right away, I learned that there's very little information out there about attenuated FAP. Now, um, wow. just, just a little background. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm, trying, I'm trying to wrap my head around that you were intrigued and not terrified. <laughs> well, I was intrigued because my genetic counselor and my colorectal surgeon there at uh, Triple Army Medical Center in Hawaii, they, they presented a calm, a calming um, atmosphere to me. And I had many conversations with them leading up to the, from the time the tests were taken to the time the results came in. And then two weeks later, there was, the surgery was scheduled. So I, I had a six week time frame between the time the DNA samples were taken and then the results came in. So, and I had some medical professionals in Hawaii that I was communicating with as well. So I felt comfortable with everything that I was being provided. I had some credible resources pertaining to the mutation. Um, now, the, the, the more that I'd read about it, the, the more I realized that there's hardly anything out there in the world about this mutation. Yeah, so, let's let's talk a little bit about that because you 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 had said in your little story there that the doctors had deemed this very rare, and and when you say rare, I mean in in my space in my son's condition for Batten disease, it's two to four out of every two hundred thousand live births, um, which is very limited, and very small numbers. Yeah, I mean how how small is your scope of rare? Well, we're talking estimated less than 0.03% of the global population. So let's wow. do some math, 7.5 <laughs> billion yeah. and round that up to 267,000. Now we don't know, it's only estimated. Now it's important to note that the late Dr. Henry T. Lynch is the man credited with the discovery of attenuated FAP. So if you're familiar with the term Lynch syndrome, well, that's named after Dr. Henry T. Lynch. Well, in 1992, after six years of research, he uh, discovered the attenuated FAP, which is a subvariant of FAP. Now, the reason I mention this, my genetic counselor and colorectal surgeon were colleagues of Dr. Lynch. At that time, he was the director of preventive medicine, among other things, at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. Now, he visited Hawaii seven months after my surgery. So my genetic counselor invited me to one of his academic lectures. It just happened to be taking place at the University of Hawaii Cancer Center. So I was introduced by my genetic counselor to Dr. Lynch in a private corridor just the three of us, just my genetic counselor, Dr. Lynch, and myself. And we talked for a couple of minutes, attended his lecture. Then we afterwards, my genetic counselor, some other staff at the Tripler that were there, about three or four of us, we sat down after lunch and with Dr. Lynch. And for an hour and 50 minutes, I got to share my DNA test and my pathology report for my surgery. We stayed in touch through the years. He considered me a colleague. And then as a result of having this mutation, I undergo annual surveillance on my stomach and small intestine because the mutation will and has manifested in, the, in my stomach and small intestine. So 
he would review my pathology reports every, over the years. And by the way, when he visited me in Hawaii, he was 86 and a half years old. Okay? He flew all the way from Omaha to uh, Hawaii for about four or five days of lectures. June 2nd of 2019, at 91 and a half years old, he passed away. A month before, he was, uh, he was researching up until a month before he passed away. And so my purpose in life is to carry the torch to educate the world about attenuated FAP and uh, continuing uh, Dr. Lynch's you know, legacy on the importance of early detection and hopes of saving lives. That's so, my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, that's an incredible story. First of all, thank you for your service. Uh, appreciate you keeping us citizens safe and allowing us to do podcasts. Thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. You're saying that this is, this is colon cancer, yes? It's a hereditary colon cancer syndrome. Okay, early so detection, if you catch it early enough, and you, it, and you can, you're able to prevent the mutation from um, reaching other organs. So we're able. To, but but when we're told to get the uh, the screening, the colon screening, they're saying that anything you know, multiple polyps is bad, and you're telling us that you had a hundred plus. And it hadn't, yeah. it, it hadn't spread anywhere to any other organs at that time. No, not at that time. Wow. So this is treatable and people survive if caught early. That's correct. And that's the importance of early detection. The key with, with my um, scenario was to have the, genet the certified genetic testing um, take, you know, do the proper testing to identify the mutation where, you know, my mutation is in the, um, the 22nd chromosome. So it was identified. Um, there's no family history, by the way, I was asymptomatic. I share my information with my siblings, my maternal and paternal relatives, my parents are all passed away. I have good contact uh, communication with my first cousins. I'm the youngest of my siblings. And I'm the youngest of all my first cousins. So no one in my family, both sides that I've communicated with over the last 10 years, I have any knowledge of anybody having any colon problems. Um, so this is, is this, so you're saying that this is not genetic? No, it's genetic. It's in my, it's a mutation. Okay. We just don't, now Dr. Lynch has, Based on what I just shared, Dr. Lynch said it's quite possible that the mutation started with me. Oh. We'll never know because oh, my yeah, my we don't know about my ancestors. DNA testing's only been around for the last wow. many decades. So, so um, right. So let me ask you this. You know, when 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 all this was going down, you you were retired, you were done working, you're living in Hawaii, and you just decide to go to get a routine screening because you know you like to keep in shape and you want to keep on top of things, and then boom, you're given this rare disease diagnosis in adulthood. What goes through your mind? Well, you know, I went into battle mode, and I say that in a yeah. positive way because in the Navy specifically on shipboard life, we have to be prepared for any casualty, anything. You know, I've been, I spent three deployments on three different ships in the Persian Gulf. Basically you sleep with one eye open because you don't know if you're gonna run into, you know, you're gonna get hit by a missile, you're gonna run into a mine, 
you're going to have an Iranian gunboat, you know, like they did to the USS Cole, come up alongside you. You know, so all that training, all my experiences, I, I, I went right into battle mode. I broke it down into three phases. The first phase was to read about the mutation they thought I had. The second phase was to read about the type of surgery, which was uh, surgery that would remove my colon, rectum, and anus, and I'd end up being, I'd have a permanent ostomy. And the third phase was to understand what it's like to, what it's like to be an ostomate. You're gonna, I'm going to have an ostomy for the rest of my life. So that, that's the battle mode I went into. I had credible sources of information about the mutation, about the type of surgery, and then on life as an ostomate. And it was just a lot of information that I had to um, absorb. I had to digest, no pun intended. And I had a lot of medical professionals that were, you know, humor also. Humor is the best medicine. Well, and, I, uh, I, 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 I'm I like full your... of it. Maybe it's because I had made, <laughs> ate a lot of good humor candy or ice cream when uh, I was growing up. I like your puns there. So, no. listen, a lot of my listeners, <laughs> probably like me, don't understand those terms, the terminology that you're using. Um, are you able to go to the bathroom normally? No, I have a pouch. Uh, an ostomy is a pouch. It's uh, is a there's an opening in my abdominal cavity, and I have a uh, appliance um, that we use. It's a pouching system. And, okay. And then, so any of my output for going through my stomach and small intestine goes into my pouch, and then so, I empty it as I need to. Depends so on what I eat or drink. So your body still processes the food normally, and then the waste goes into the pouch. Right. The only exception would be. Uh, since I do not have a colon, and the two of the main functions of a colon are to absorb the water from the waste, which is when it's hard when it gets discharged. And also in that water in your waste is also a lot of salt, a lot of sodium. So I'm very, ostomates that do not have a colon are very susceptible to dehydration. Well, another, actually a third thing about the colon is it absorbs the salt. If I, well, maybe I mentioned that. So yeah. I, I have to continuously absorb, uh, you know, eat, uh, consume a lot of salt, you know, more than the average person. And I have my blood work done every six months and everything, you know, they monitor everything. And this is, this will be the rest of my life. Um, That's so, uh, it's very interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. You know, I, I like I said, I've I've embraced this. I've adapted um, to life as an ostomate. I mean, I actually mm -hmm. made an acronym for the word adapt, and that's attitude determines the ability for a positive transformation. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope to share with others uh, that either hear or read about my journey. Is you know, um, there's so much. You I mean life, life. You know, we have to adapt adjust, you know, to so many different things, whether it be our health, things on the home front, you know, so I hope, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, do many of your, uh, your tribe, do they end up like you? Or was this the end result? Or is death the end result if not taken care of? Meaning that do we have to have these things in place? like you're wearing them right now? Oh yeah, the ostomy, and in my case, it, this was a planned surgery and it's a permanent 
the ostomy is permanent. There are situations where individuals who have an ostomy, um, it was unplanned, an emergency surgery, and their ostomy may be temporary for, you know, some condition with their colon. Mine, mine is permanent based on the genetic testing, the germline DNA testing. There's no cure for what I, for this mutation. However, if we monitor it, then we can keep it in check. I see. So you had to remove parts of your body so that the cancer wouldn't spread like normal cancers. Uh, my mother right. had to remove part of her lung because she had lung cancer and then she went through chemo and radiation and then it was done. Did yeah. you have to go through those treatments as well? No, I have my, I just have surgeries. I had, I've had two surgeries. One first surgery was 10 years ago last month was to remove my colon rectum and anus and be outfitted with a permanent ostomy. Now, as I mentioned, the mutation will and, ha and has manifested in other organs. So as part of my surveillance, uh, routine surveillance, two years ago, next month, I was in Palo Alto VA hospital. They, um, they're the ones that perform these endoscopic procedures because it requires the director of the GI clinic to perform it. And I was flying from Hawaii over to San Jose and go to Palo Alto. So two years ago, September, my GI doctor, the director of the clinic, he found a three centimeter adenoma in the beginning of my small intestine, about two, 10 centimeters down from the beginning of my small intestine. He recommended that I consider surgery because that adenoma was now at the point where if we didn't take appropriate action within a year, it could, it could spread to my pancreas, among other things. So since I had already been researching this for the previous nine and a half years, I knew that this was the older I get, the higher percentage that this, I'd be in a situation like this. So I, I knew about a surgery that a lot of individuals with a hereditary colon cancer syndrome have. It's called the Whipple procedure. Now, my GI doctor mentioned that that um, surgery would not be what he would suggest for me. There's a newer medical technology called a pancreas sparendoidectomy resection. Right. So uh, layman, layman's well, terms, we need to spare the pancreas from this mutation from reaching it in the small, in the beginning of my small intestine. Right. So my father-in-law died from pancreatic cancer and, you know, he was too far along to do the Whipple. Um, right. okay. And the Whipple is a procedure, if, you're, if people don't know, is to, to help stave off the driving force of the pancreatic cancer to uh, buy some time, if you will. Um, yeah. So you're saying that these these current procedures were were offered or are offered in order to help this this rare disease? This particular one in America, this is the um, the surgery that they've been utilizing in the last twenty five years, and um, it's only offered in a handful of medical centers here in the U.S. Um, since I was at Palo Alto VA Hospital, which is just down the road, two miles away from Stanford, um, I was 
offered, um, it was suggested that I could go to Stanford. So I had to get the approval to go to Stanford and be accepted there. And the, the backstory, no pun intended, was my GI doctor is the director of the GI clinic at Palo Alto VA Hospital. He is on a loan to the VA from Stanford. And he has a surgeon, a personal friend of his, professionally and personally, that is a, one of the nation's leading pancreatic cancer surgeons. So I was accepted at Stanford and Dr. Brendan Visser was the surgeon assigned to my case. And you know, I, I got to meet him and then I scheduled the surgery for March, beginning of April, beginning of April of 2021. So I had six months before the surgery. I did, you know, 2020 was when I had the, um, the scopes by uh, the GI clinic and we, we had enough excitement for 2020. And I figured, well, if I'm gonna have surgery, I'm gonna be laid up for a while, a couple months probably. I want it during baseball season, during spring training. So at least when I'm home relaxing, I can watch baseball. Yeah. And we did that. So it worked out. <laughs> Go Dodgers. <laughs> hey, yeah. It's so this is, this is very new for you then, you would say. Last yeah. two oh, years. Oh, absolutely. Last two yeah. years, uh, a lot of discovery. Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying that you weren't fearful 100% of the time. I know you're a badass, dried hand dog, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> It's terrifying just to listen to you and you, you, you do use humor a lot to um, deal with this. And I appreciate that. I, uh, there, there, there's, there's gotta be uh, more humor in rare disease and uh, a lot of people don't get it, but if you're in it, you get it. We kind of need to laugh, you know, about the, about our plight and their situation and uh, oh God, I'm, I love puns, but um, yeah. tell us why you think in your opinion that early detection is so important. I mean, you already have a couple of life-saving procedures. You have these, these, these now these attachments to your body to help you know you continue on with life. How how soon would you recommend anybody checking this out? Does it prevent itself? I mean, not prevent, but does it? Do we Do we? Oh my God, are we seeing this type of condition later in life than earlier in life? Like you know, we do newborn screenings. Now that you're a, a part of this this network, is this something you could have detected before, two years ago? Do, do, well, is there any? No, there's a great questions, great questions. Now, the attenuated FAP has a later onset. Okay, fifty to fifty-five years old is the range, according to Dr. Lynch and his studies. He's done. You know, he started his research in '84. Six years later is when he uh, co-authored his peer-reviewed publication. And the important thing for anyone that I share my journey with, whether they're listening or reading about, is to have a discussion with their family members. Have a discussion with their medical team, their primary care, you know, um, and the close circle of friends. Have discussions with them whether they're symptomatic or not. Now, a lot of times from my experience of what, what folks that I've listened to, colleagues I've you know, uh, shared uh, different you know, stories on different platforms is that when something becomes symptomatic, 
regardless of what it is, then it requires, you know, all kinds of different um, advanced screening and, um, you know what I mean? So I didn't have any of that. I went in, I knew I needed a colonoscopy at 50, you know, I was, I scheduled it and I wake up and here's these polyps. I say, okay, well, what is, what's all, what's all this about? You know, what do I do? And I just had the, I had a great medical team. I continue to have a great medical team. You know, be, when I was at Tripwire Army Medical Center, um, you know, I had a, my genetic counselor, my colorectal surgeon, and the chief of surgery. We all, you know, and the director of pathology. I knew them all. You know, I had candid conversations with them uh, numerous times. And I, in mm -hmm. fact, I still stay in touch with the, uh, the leading pathologist at Tripwire. My colorectal surgeon, he retired. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. He retired in a year and a half after my surgery. He went to Phoenix, and he's the chief colorectal surgeon at Dignity Health in Phoenix. We're on mm. LinkedIn together. We communicate. Yeah. Uh, my genetic counselor has since retired, but, you know, and then right. Palo Alto VA Hospital, I have, a good, I have a great team there in Stanford. My doctor at Stanford, he said that I'm a patient of his for life now. Wow. I have to go back. I have to go back. Um, Mm. It will be later this year. I'll go back for uh, surveillance because we need to make sure we need to keep this in check. <laughs> Early detection is the key. It's yeah. in so many different levels. You know? Right. But, so uh, is, uh, do we know what is the percentage of people dying from this? Don't know. Don't know. You don't know anybody Which that's passed a, away from this? No. I, in fact, I don't know anybody personally. I've never met anybody face-to-face who has been diagnosed with attenuated FAP. I have a boatload of, no pun intended, of folks, colleagues that have FAP. Childhood, I have a, I know a, I have a colleague that was diagnosed, um, family history now too, when he was as early as 18 months old. They can tell by his, his, um, his, um, um, his output from his, wow. um, and he's had FAP his whole life with his family history. There's no family history with me. Well, you yeah, know, but, so. but you're saying that you're, you're, you're a single rare case in this type of disease that's currently alive. You're the only person. No, I'm sure there's, there's, a, there's plenty. I just don't, I haven't been introduced to any of them. You don't have I'm any on face, a lot of the, platforms. There's no Facebook page? Oh, yeah, there's a boatload of Facebook pages about FAP support. Yeah. You know, however, I have attenuated FAP. There are some individuals on there that have attenuated FAP. Are you saying that, the, that they're very different, the, the two different diagnoses? The, the, yeah, it's two different things. The FAP, here, here's a breakdown. Yeah, thank you, because I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm seriously don't no. understand. So thank no, you. And, no. Okay, so what happens, the, the, the gene mutation, the mutation, it's called adenomatose polyposis coli. APC is the actual gene mutation. Now, depending on how old the individual is, if you're under, if you're 49 and younger, if they have the DNA testing, you have FAP because it's an earlier onset. Now, of course, we only had DNA testing for this uh, particular mutation in the last several decades. So there's been a lot of individuals that have experienced uh, this mutation, having FAP, 
they are symptomatic. They have a lot of different treatments who med medication scopes every uh, every couple of years. I've you know, one colleague, several, I'm sorry, several colleagues have had colonoscopies since they were nine, 10 years old. And it's more frequent than someone who doesn't have, not been identified of having the mutation. Now, attenuated FAP is a subvariant of FAP. And according to Dr. Lynch's research, it's the, the time frame if you were to be diagnosed with it is between 50 and 55. Now, if, and we don't know because I was able to get this detected early. However, if I had not had gone for my colonoscopy when I did, now those hundred polyps, when they did the, when they removed my colon, one of those polyps was an, it turned out to be an eight centimeter tumor that was stage zero. Okay, so my wow. surgeon was able to successfully remove wow. the entire colon and the associated lymph nodes with the you know, a, a, a sign or you know with that tumor. Wow! So that Lucky. now, yeah, but it's all a matter of your the expertise your medical team has. You know, hmm. it all started with the my GI doctor. My GI doctor that did my colonoscopy, he was 72 years old. And after this was all said and done, the smoke cleared, the dust settled. I had a, I had yeah. candid discussions with him. And uh, I said, Dr. Ona, I said, you know, um, thank you for everything. He was, Daniel, I want to tell you something. I was going to retire 10 years ago. And I said, well, doctor, you know why you didn't retire? Because you needed to save my life. Ah, there we go. And he... And he was at the VA clinic, the VA Medical Center in Hawaii. He immediately referred me to the certified genetic counselor because he suspected something. See, that's the key right there is the information is getting out to the medical community. These different conferences they have, whether it's GI or colorectal or genetic counselor, they have conferences. There's all different types of conferences globally. And he'd been attending them for many, many years. And if it wasn't for that, you know, um, if it wasn't for what he shared with me, what he suspected, mm. who knows if right. I'd be here or not. Yeah. However, I am here, so this is what I get to share. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, so great. I so early detection is the key, um, especially you know in rare adults now. So that's a it's a that's a great segue to. Let's have some uh, direction here, uh, Dan. How would you tell people to get in touch with you if they suspect that they have this or where should they go to get help once they have this diagnosis? Well, there's, uh, I mean, they can contact me directly. I, I have a uh, Twitter account. My handle is Dry Shockley. And I'm also on LinkedIn as Dan Drydock Shockley. And uh, I mean, I'm not a medical professional. I'm just a very attentive patient. Uh, I'm not a very patient man, but I make a great patient. Yeah, I uh -huh. that one. Yeah, I do. But yeah. um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, we we got to have, you know, we just have to keep our eyes open. And mm. uh, there is an FAB FAP gene support group. It's in based in the UK, and I collaborate with them for many years. There mm. is a uh, hereditary colon cancer peer group 
in um, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and they're, um, they collaborate with the University of Michigan um, uh, Medical Center. So I've been collaborating with them for many years as well. Nice. Um, but, okay, so like, um, that's great to have that information. And um, for all those listening, you can see those uh, links in the show notes. Dan, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. But you know, in the in the interest of levity, we got to know why the name Dry Dock. What's going on with that, dude? Well, that's a great story. Um, yeah, as I say, I served in the Navy on seven different ships. Two of those ships, uh, when we uh, returned from uh, deployment, were um, in Dry Dock, and one of the ships was the uh, USS Abraham Lincoln. We returned to um, the States from a deployment to the Persian Gulf. At the time we were home based in, home -based in uh, Alameda. When we got back from deployment, we uh, went up to Bremerton and went into dry dock. And then uh, we were there. And I was on the ship in dry dock for about 14 months. So fast forward to about 29, the fall of 2019. I'm up here in the Northern California and uh, enjoying retired life. And I decided to, uh, I wanted to play baseball with the Sacrament, the Central Valley uh, Vintage Baseball uh, Society here in Sacramento area. They had four different teams and I was on the Woodland team. I played about three games. I think after the third game, my third game was, uh, was it. Right. So when I show up, uh, we had two individuals, two guys in the lineup that were the first name was Dan. I played first base and this other Dan was an Air Force vet and he played second base. And I went to the coach and I said, hey, you know, we got two Dan's here. We're playing first and second base. We need to we need to mix this up a little. What's he what do you recommend? He goes, well, you know, this is a vintage baseball uh, society. We played by 1863 rules. OK. So that's the era of the Civil War, okay? Abraham Lincoln was the president at the time. And uh, my home of record before I joined the Navy was Illinois, the land of Lincoln. So right off the top of my head, I said, you know what? And uh, I said, well, I'm gonna go, I, I hate to do this, but I'm gonna go by the, the, the handle dry dock. And um, I explained all that to him. He goes, yeah, that's cool. but." You know, I normally don't like to give myself a nickname. I know that that's you sometimes you, you know, that's just not good. You know, however, it fit because, you know, 1863 rules, vintage baseball was during the Civil War when, when Abraham Lincoln was a president. I was on the Abraham Lincoln when we were in dry dock uh. in uh, Bremerton. And my home record is Illinois, the land of Lincoln. So, oh, okay. You know, he so, liked not, it. so anyway, yeah. That's, yeah, not a funny story, but a, a a history lesson. No, not a funny story, but you know that's <laughs> the thing. There, everything else about you know, there's a lot of other things that are funny, but this was just, and I it see. sounded kind of cool, you know, dry dock shopping. You know. I like it. As like, you could be a podcaster, you know. Right. Yeah. That's your that's be. your handle. Yeah. 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 We'll see <laughs> well, where that goes. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, uh, and thank you, listeners, for checking us out here at another episode of the Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. I'm your host, and uh, our guest today was uh, Dan Drydock Shockley. Thank you coming all the way from Northern California to uh, basically give us a, a serious lesson about the importance of early detection 
in the colon cancer area. So thank you. As I said before earlier, you guys can get all the resources down here in the show notes. And if you need anything, you can always drop us a line at uh, info at projectsebastian.org and we'll be happy to connect you if you can't get connected already. So that's it. I'm out. Have a wonderful week. If I don't talk to you, hopefully you hear me back here on the Spotify network, iTunes, Twitch, Stitch, wherever else the RSS feed is pointing your way. We just hope you join us. So thanks again. Thanks, Dan. Uh, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Today's podcast brought to you by... Addiction and mental health problems are on the rise. Over 22 million people suffer from some form of substance abuse, causing one in three households that are impacted by addiction. And these numbers are on the rise, making it harder to find a solution. CSG Consultants can offer you a new path of solutions to help you begin your sober journey. With over 25 years of experience, we share our passion for helping others. Whether you are seeking a solution in sobriety, a referral for rehab, sober living, or sober coaching and companion, we will help you connect to the right resources now. We help by getting you the help you need now. Our service includes a comprehensive consultation to help identify where we can best serve you. CSG Consulting will connect you to treatment centers, detox, therapy, resources, doctors, and researchers. With our help, we can decrease the stress by finding the people to help you now so you can focus on yourself and your loved ones. With decades of experience and sobriety, CSG Consulting has the capacity to find you the help you need now. CSG Consultants will help you get to the solution and out of the problem. We offer sober coaching, sober companions, and counseling to help you achieve the right path for sobriety for you. If this seems like a lot to process, we get it. Maybe we start with just a conversation. After all, things do not change until we change. In-person or telehealth available. Give us a call today at 661-414-4856 or visit www.consultingwithcsg.com right now. Start making sober steps today. Thank you for joining us on The Rare Hour with Christopher Valona. We appreciate your listening. If you have a story or want to talk about your journey, please reach out to us at info at projectsebastian.org and put Rare Hour in the subject line. We hope to have you on the show. You can find us at www.projectsebastian.org, on Facebook at Project Sebastian, on Instagram at Project Sebastian One, and on Twitter at Gaga V Project. Don't forget, you can find us on the Clubhouse app too. Just search Rare Disease.